Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Like that wasn't our, our end goal. Our end goal was just to do what we love. And it, it kind of all went toward the same direction as, as growth and like organic growth. And I, like, I've never spent a dime on growing it other than just my own time and, you know, posting the content and keeping up with it. And, you know, a lot of work went into it, but it, obviously you want to see success and you want to see growth, but the dollar value on our end was never what the you know the, the goal was it was more a way of you know connecting with others and open up opportunities and like even you know being on this podcast like never in a million years i would have thought that was a long time rolling podcasts you know it, there's just so many things that come down the line that you're just kind of like wow like this is this is really awesome like you know like there is some positivity in social media with so much negativity out there. Hey, this is Lee, Seth, and Joel from Saltwater Heart Fishing, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. Got a good one for you. I know it's going to be a good one because I ask for suggestions and I got some good ones, as I always do. You can always send me guest suggestions at 305-930-7346. That's the number. It's a um, it's a text thread. You'll get on there. It'll ask you to put your name in there. You Once you get your name in there, you only have to do it once, then you can ask me questions. And I'm actually the one that's answering those questions. And you can also give me guest suggestions. This guest suggestion came when I was waiting on an airplane. And I thought, hey, I'll try this little feature out on Instagram where you ask questions and people can ask questions. I can answer them right there. And so it went kind of crazy. And people ask all kinds of questions. But I also asked for show suggestions. This was one of the many people that were suggested and that I made contact with and set it up and got it going. This um, is saltwater heart fishing. Three brothers, 
They love to fish. They're animals, and they love to help people as well. And they have a great uh, Instagram page, Saltwater Heart, on Instagram. You can go there. You can check it out. You can also check them out on Facebook. But we're going to visit with the Brothers Wakefield, which uh, is Saltwater Heart. Coming up. So the other day on Instagram, I... uh, was just waiting on an airplane. I had some people ask me some questions and also suggest some guests. And you guys were suggested as uh, possible guests. Saltwater Heart, welcome to the podcast. How you guys doing? Doing good, thank you. Right on. So tell me yeah. about Saltwater Heart. All right. So we, you know, obviously we're brothers. Um, we fished all our lives we started out when we were younger fishing with our dad and older brothers and came to a point about five or six years ago and uh, we just were like hey let's just start a, a fishing page you know just for something to do just as an outlet to show you know all our pictures and content that not really thinking that it would take us anywhere but just a matter of you know as an outlet to sh- you know share what we love to do with anyone that cared to follow along so we did that and kind of just put a lot of time into it like the ability the page and just the interest of fishing grew and grew and from then it kind of just got to where we are now build a network and create a lot of great friends up and down the coast i mean mostly east coast but throughout the country and you know, it's kind of at the point now where if we're in, you know, any state along the coast, we'd have contact or a friend or two that said, Hey, when, you know, when, when you're in our area, let us know, get out and fish and something that we don't take for granted, but it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing what, you know, the positivity of social media and where that can take you. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. Po- uh, social media isn't always positive. Um, so I'm glad that you guys are, are making it positive. So where all have you, uh, have you been able to go with your contacts that you've made? Um, we've done a lot of local stuff more so, um, we've done, you know, up and down Jersey coast is where we fish, um, some local spots in PA, uh, central PA, um, up and down Delaware river. Um, we've done a few trips to Florida fish with a mutual friend of ours alberto oh yeah um so and i guess through i'm trying to think of anywhere else but you know more so local new jersey that but you know we do have contacts it's not quite as easy to to get to north carolina on a on a weekend trip or you know locally you can kind of have a lot more access to so so you guys you're three brothers and you obviously you're living somewhere close to one another. Do you all work together or what's, what do you, what's going on there? Yes, we're actually all work together every single day. We, um, we're partners in a family run business, custom cabinet shop in Philadelphia. So we get to see every, each other every day. And we, uh, kind of talk about fishing and, you know, plan it out and do a lot of evening trips, fish on the weekends and, we, we get to spend a lot of time with each other and something that we, you know, we enjoy doing that. Yeah. So Seth, what about, um, the origins of this? Like how, how did you guys start fishing? Did you all fish together when you were kids or what? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We all, you know, started with my dad, um, 
some of the earliest memories, you know, fishing for sunnies, bluegills. Um, also, I remember there would be some mornings we'd get up before school and go trout fishing for an hour, hour and a half and make it back in time to still get to school on time. And, you know, all the way through, like, there were some years through my teen years where I wasn't fishing as much. But, like, say, early teens, I remember we, right from school on a Friday afternoon, we might head down to Cape May, and uh, he'd take, he'd book a charter, a guy named George Gilbert or Bob Drake, out of, in the Cape May Rips. And, you know, he, he'd talk them into taking a second trip in the afternoon so that we didn't have to miss school, but still got a chance to go. So that's but, some of the early, early stuff that I remember. My dad was a big part of my, my fishing growing up. Did your, obviously you said you went with your dad some, but Joel, what was your um, recollection of kind of the early origins of your fishing? Was it, was your dad a big part of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my earliest memory was uh, he took Lee and I, because Seth was in school, up to uh, <laughs> Sandy Hook and took a walk out on the beach. And there was like a uh, low, low tide. So we had to walk through one trough of water. He carried us out to the sandbar and he sees, he sees striped bass in the waves. And uh, they were like, start casting. And like almost instantly we hook up and the fish got one keeper that was like as, as big as I was. <laughs> and then uh, not too long after we got another, another keeper like over 32 inches. At that time, I think the keeper size was, and then um, we got one one gator blue to finish out the trip. So it was pretty it was a pretty pretty cool start to my uh, surf casting days. But yeah. um, we overslept that day, so that's what kind of made it pretty memorable. Like even if you oversleep, we still still took us and was still a lot of fun. He planted the seed for sure at that early age. Yeah. So two of you got to go on that trip, but one of you, which one didn't go? <laughs> I didn't get to, you didn't I, get I to was, go Seth. Yeah. I was probably seven or so. If you got, like I was in school when these two guys were, they're a little bit younger than me. So it was before they were in school, but they, they got to go and I, I had to go to school though. How'd that sit? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I got to go on other trips, but I, I was still happy for them though. <laughs> You know, was, was that always like, was that in anything that you can look back on now? Like I have two boys of my own and I've got a little girl. My two boys are close like you guys and close in age, but they were competitive growing up. And I would come back after a charter, I'd have a live well full of, you know, shrimp and crabs and sometimes pilchards, whatever. And I'm like, boys, come on. And they would start fighting about who got to go. And I was like, no, both of you get to go. We, we have to go together. And I remember having this talk with them one time and I was like, look guys, if you can get along and we can go together, we can do way more fishing. But when I have to take one of you and then take the other, you guys are going to get to go almost none because it's, it's a problem. So you're going to have to learn how to get along. Did you guys have that competitive thing going on in your family? Or was it just all, everybody was ready to roll? Nah, no, I would say, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Lee. I would say that we we definitely didn't have that. We had, like, 
a competitive, you know, we're playing sports. We definitely were competitive in that way. But as far as, um, like to each other, um, we had, you know, great role models and our parents that, you know, kind of taught us the, the humility aspect of it. And we were just as happy to see, you know, one of them, even at on trips that we were together, like if someone else hooked into a bigger fish, like we were just as happy to see them landed as, as we would ourselves. And as a little story to, to go along with that, um, numerous times, uh, even in the springtime when one of us or, you know, we're all fishing same spots a lot. So one of us would have just hooking up left and right, like on a fish on a certain, certain lure, certain plug. And we'll, we'll we'll like, Hey, take this, you know, you're not getting like, they didn't have the same, you know, the same lure in their bag as, as what we were hooking up on. And we'll, we'll gladly take one off of our clip and, and pass it over the next guy to, you know, get them on the board to get their numbers up a little bit. Like we're, very happy to see the success <laughs> of others. Yeah, and, that's awesome, especially for young kids because that was not the way. Man, if one of my boys was catching bigger fish than the other, he was covering his that lure up. He wouldn't let anybody see what was going on. <laughs> they were super competitive. They they're not anymore. And actually, um, both of them are in Bozeman, Montana, and doing a lot of hunting and fishing out there. And they're uh, really good buddies now and they they i think the competitiveness has worn off but i don't know why they were so competitive what sports did you guys play you name it <laughs> like the four major sports especially Wrest, wrestling and hockey no. and wrestling and hockey is that are those the two four <laughs> major sports on the side uh-huh <laughs> hockey, hockey football baseball basketball, basketball yeah i got gotcha. you yeah, those are competitive sports, team sports though. Um, yeah. So my boys were um, wrestling was their main sport, and then then lacrosse and and other individual sports. But the individual sports will will kind of bring that out in you, I think. Um, well, cool, man. So the uh, the the page that you started. What, what was what was the original kind of vision? You you were talking about just wanting to share things, and I just kind of wonder what the original vision was, and how that's kind of changed to today when you see some growth and you see in a community building behind you, and kind of what what what's changed along the way. Um, I would think it like it would change in the aspect of knowing that you can reach a certain amount of people, and knowing that has value to different companies, but at the same time, like you have so many people or companies out there that like don't really have your best interests at, you know, hand or whatever. And you have to be careful with, you know, who you're going to team up with or like, we kind of were at the point where like we are glad to help others out and because they, they would take care of us. But at the same time, like that wasn't our, our end goal. Our end goal was just to do what we love. And it, it kind of all, went toward the same direction as, as growth and like organic growth. And I, like, I've never spent a dime on growing it other than just my own time and, you know, posting the content and keeping up with it. And, you know, a lot of work went into it, but it, obviously you want to see success and you want to see growth, but the dollar value on our end was never what the, you know, the, the goal was, it was more, a way of, you know, connecting with others and open up opportunities. And like, even, you know, 
being on this podcast, like never in a million years, I would have thought that it was on the Tom <laughs> Rowland podcast. You know, it, there's just so many things that come down the line that you're just kind of like, wow, like this is, this is really awesome. Like, you know, like there is some positivity in social media with so much negativity out there. Like there's, there's good people out there and you, you know, you do the, do things the right way things are going to work out in your favor in the long run. Do you think that's the secret to, to being positive on social media is just, just never allowing this, the, the negativity to, to bother you or do you encounter any negativity? Like you're, you're, you're kind of, I mean, I may be wrong, but when I, when I looked, it seems like Instagram's your, your main, main platform. Is that correct? Would you consider that your main platform? Yeah, we're on, Facebook, but we, we kind of didn't put the time into the Facebook page as much. Um, we kind of have our, our own individual Facebook pages that we, you know, kind of network with and, and, you know, go that route. But Instagram is, is definitely the, the biggest one, kind of what we put our time into from the beginning. Um, but as far as the negativity, we do encounter negativity from time to time, very little. Like I feel like people, see who you are if they're around you or if they have a simple conversation and they know what you're all about. But, you know, you kind of, with any type of success, you're going to have some kind of negativity, whether it's jealousy or, or whatever it may be. And like, if you allow it to get to you, it definitely can get to you. But I, I do feel like the success part of it is, you know, kind of just doing the right thing. And, and, you know, if, you're you have so many interactions every day whether it's in in real life or, or social media but you know if you do the right things treat people the right way and have a um, humble attitude toward it you know that negativity is just a very very small percentage of it mm-hmm. yeah that's uh that's good perspective so um how about alberto joel what do you what do you know about alberto knee um First, first thing I ever heard about him was my uncle. He says, you should look up this guy. His name's crazy Alberto. <laughs> he can pick a beach anywhere and catch a, uh, like a big striper. And so I think, okay, I better, better check him out on YouTube. And then fast forward so many years later, I heard Alberto was going to be at the, uh, saltwater expo show here in New Jersey. And, um, so I'm telling my brothers, I'm like, we're getting all excited. This crazy Alberta guy is going to be there. So sure enough, we, uh, we, we win the expo and like kind of made a beeline to the, the St. Croix rods booth where he's standing there. And we spent, I don't know, three, four or five hours just <laughs> around him and talking to him. And, and then it kept, kept building from there. And he's like, he says, we should, uh, we should plan a trip down to Florida. And the, it just kept, kept growing from there. So. And he's, Did, he's been quite a, uh, quite a, um, a mentor to each, each, all three of us and like kind of taking us under his wing. And, nice. Uh, did you go to Florida really, with him? Yeah, we did. Uh, we made, made two trips down there actually, two different, two different years. And, um, don't take it for granted, but really, really, uh, glad to have him as a friend. Yeah. And in, in, um, as far as a mentor, like Alberto seems like, I, I just love the guy. I think he's, I think he's, uh, he's just a, a wonderful, a wonderful person. He's a wonderful human being and just really nice. And you're not the only ones that feel that way about him. He's, he's just a, he's like a natural mentor. And so like, in what ways does, does somebody like Alberto, uh, 
mentor you guys. I mean, I don't know how old you were when you when you first encountered him, but um, what 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 kind of things are you learning from him? Any of anybody uh, can answer, Seth. So you can take that. Basically, like if we have any questions or anything about like striped bass fishing or any fishing in general, he says just message him and and like we've done that time and time again and it's just quite pleasing to know like you're going to get some genuine honest answers about and then if we have any questions about any gear or we know you're going to get a quite like a real honest uh answer from them yeah and so is that kind of um what you guys are doing like passing that on at this point yeah absolutely um we'll get messages on on the on the saltwater account different times and if if we can help anybody we're more than glad to um and we'll if we don't know we tell them or we don't know or and it just simple questions is anything they if people want to ask us it's we're always there to answer if if you know if we can i'm not going to tell you a lie for sure yeah that's cool now one of the other um i had a lot of guests suggested to me the other day on instagram which i i like very much because um a lot of people know different people that that i haven't met yet or run into like you guys. And, um, so that's one of the things that I like the most about this podcast is getting to meet new people and just kind of, kind of the same thing like you're talking about with social media, this, this social media has done that, but I, I like it even more that you can sit down and you can talk to somebody, you can find out about them in an hour. Um, we don't have phones, we don't have emails right now. We're just kind of talking and a lot of people aren't doing that these days, but a lot of, uh, a lot of guests were suggested um, another person from your area, which I intend to, uh, to look up Nick Honachewski is he was one that, uh, that I understand you have a, a, a mutual, uh, friendship or, or story with, what do you know? What do you know about Nick? Oh, I'll take this one. <laughs> we were, we were down in the keys. We were planned to fish with Alberto later that week, back up on, you know, further North in Florida. And um, so we're out fishing on the pier, the hotel we're staying at. And we got a message. Uh, I think we saw a picture that Nick had posted. We saw that he was at the same exact place as us. So we sent him a message and say about, you know, are you here and still here? So we ended up that night. We saw him out on the pier. And um, he was down there with his buddy, Sean Riley. And... Uh, <laughs> So we were just, you know, out the out on the pier fishing for sharks and um you know, throw it out a chunk of bait. And he, he has his little I think it was a like a seven foot St. Croix Tide Master travel rod. It was probably like a I don't know, medium, maybe a medium heavy or something. And he's fishing for, you know, same things we are. He puts the <laughs> chunk out there and he, he hooks into I believe it was a big ray. Yeah, big stingray. He, he, yeah, big stingray, and he he gets it all the way to the pier, and he and he's like, it's way too much weight for that rod, but um, <laughs> he gets it all the way to the pier, and he, he gets it right to the top of the water, snaps his rod, then all right, that was that was a experience in that, and then like I don't know, and all this time, and then Sean he he just throws out a another chunk, but he he has a little bit more. 
uh, a rod a little more suited to shark fishing, he, he baits up, casts it out, and leans it against the, the railing. And like literally, like I don't know, a minute later, there goes his rod over the over the rail into the water. And Sean, he he's fully dressed, dives into the water after the rod, grabs the rod, and was able to. to save his rod but he lost the fish but he was able to save his rod wow he goes, back, he, goes, he goes he tries to go back into the hotel and he realized he doesn't have his his room key so he has to get it go to the front desk soaking wet and get a new room key from the, the hostess there that was a pretty wild night the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history designed by john browning the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Man, yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, what part of Florida was that? That was an Isla Mirada. Oh, really? Wow. There's, there's all kinds of uh, big sharks there. Did you guys see the yeah. the great white um, in Isla Mirada? I posted it yesterday. Uh, it was from Relentless Fishing. It was about a, I mean, I don't know. They thought it was about two thousand pounds. It was in fourteen, uh, four hundred feet of water, and this great white um, came up after what looked like a kingfish. At first, I thought it was a sailfish, but I think it was a kingfish. And uh, man. It came right to the surface and almost ate that fish. Did you see that that video? It's all over social media today. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you wouldn't think of them uh, down there in Florida so much. Well, I th I think that for a long time that was true that you didn't think of them down there, but I think that's just because we didn't know for sure that they were there. And people would say they saw big sharks, and you know they would say it's a great white. People say, oh no, they're not down here. But then when Chris Fisher started doing all his O search research and tagging these sharks, they go right through there. There's a lot more there than I think we think there are. And, um, I, I know several people now that have seen them. And now when somebody says they see this, this giant shark, like this one, you weren't going to mistake for any other kind of shark. This was, this was, this is the biggest shark I've ever seen on a video like this. I mean, it was right at a charter boat and they were, um, I mean, it barely missed this fish and it was, it was huge. I mean, that thing was, it was really, really big, but I think they come I think they're, I think they're there like a lot, but the ones and, that and Chris Fisher tags, we know they're there because you can do you follow. you think they're moving through? Are they just moving through there uh, or are they? I have no idea. I mean, uh, yeah, okay. if you, if you go to that O search, I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you go to their website, it's a very interesting website and they, they tag them all over the place. They tag them up where you guys are and 
then they show their movement and they'll have different color lines that will show their movement and they'll have some that will go like we used to spend a lot of time at Mar- at uh, Polly's Island and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And man, those things go right where we were swimming and surfing and then go right in the inlet and then come back out. And it's um, I mean, they're they're right there. And we had no idea. You know, no, I mean, I'm glad I didn't have any idea, but that water <laughs> is like dirty and there's tons of bait, there's tarpon, there's mullet, there's everything up there. That is a good place, I would think, to get attacked by a great white shark. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in Isla Mirada, the water's so clear and everything that I, I, I don't know that that would be, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going swimming with them, but I know, <laughs> I know people that that would be a lifetime dream to jump in with one of those things. But if, if you saw it, try to eat that fish, man, I don't know. Not me, not me, but some people love that kind of stuff. What do you guys see up there for sharks? We see, um, in late summer when the water warms up, we see a lot of brown sharks, uh, sandbar sharks, we Mm -hmm. call them brown sharks up here. Um, they ever give you any trouble when you're, when you're wading out there and doing, doing all the striper fishing? Nah, usually by, by that time, the striper fishing is, is either already over or hasn't started yet in the fall. Mm-hmm. So like late summer, there's not too much striper fishing unless you're in the back bays. But that's when are, you see do. the fish? That's when you see the sharks? No, we'll see them. We'll see them late summer. Yes. Uh-huh. And there's also sand tigers, but we don't usually see them from the beaches. Like we'll see that they get caught. Like some, some guys will target them here in New York and. There's threshers around, but you wouldn't see them from the beach. Actually, this year, last year, we, there were a few threshers that even through the inlets back into the bay there. You see the tail slapping around. I saw I saw a couple of videos of people catching them on the beach. Yeah, it's it's not like a a common occurrence, but it does happen. So let's let's go through your year. Like how do how do you kind of divide up your year as far as fishing goes? So you got certain I mean you have the whole the striped bass migration and and everything else, but I saw that you guys were fishing some freshwater and like how do you how do you divide up your year like by month? Start in January. Like what's your fishing schedule look like all year? So January would be when not much other than trout will be targeted. I'd say trout. I mean, we kind of got into musky fishing a little bit this musky? year. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we might target them throughout the winter, but overall, like just as you know, like we we're happy to fish for anything. Like we're very opportunistic. Um, there's some things that we put a lot more time into like stripers, but you know, whatever season that, you know, at this time we'll, you know, we'll go for it target anything but starting january it's more so trout fishing you can mm-hmm. fish for trout throughout the year but we don't fish for too much else then the same thing kind of carries into february where you can this year we'll probably do a little more musky fishing throughout those winter months and then march is when the striper season opens up water starts getting a little bit warmer um target them either in back bays still a little bit early for the mig- migratory fish and then throughout March, we may do some, some freshwater largemouth bass fishing, March, April. But most of the time, the weather toward the end of March through April, through May, 
and even into June, most of our hours are putting the stripers fishing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, here and there, we might have a day or a weekend that we're in an area, do some freshwater fishing. Like, it's not like we wouldn't do any, but that's mostly how, how that spring run goes. And then into June, the water starts warming up. We will still do some like back bay fishing by June. Usually all the migratory fish are out of there. Um, we'll do some, you know, flounder fishing, piece of weak fish, some back bay stripers and that'll carry through most of the summer you know similar and we'll mix in some freshwater fishing by that time there's no trout fishing we might do some bass fishing you know in the poconos pocono mountain lakes hmm. throughout the summer months a little bit cooler there let's do some night fishing um throw some bigger bigger baits for just large mouth and then by the end of summer which would be August, September, you're kind of starting to see the things switch back with the, with it getting a little cooler. Bite starts picking up with back bay stripers. Um, September is a really good month. Um, you, we do get some speckled trout and redfish, which mm. we, we, we sort of target them, but don't target them. You know, we, we fish for weak fish and stripers that time, like through September. But September and October is when you can get, you know, some redfish and, and specks. But it's like if you put your time into targeting them, you may not be as successful as if you, you know, target some other species and, and you'll you might stumble across them. Right. You know, be a pretty, pretty rare occurrence. Um, then you get to October, which is now we're kind of putting plans together to start starting out in north jersey about right now like new york has been really good which we don't really travel there to fish but that's where you know the big big part of the stripe striper bite is right now right in bay um and then it picks up from here all the way out through december and then probably mid-december there's not much other than small schooly stripers and if you want to deal with the cold, you can kind of fish for them up until the end of the year and the season closed and then opens back in again in March the next year. Cool. So I'm sure I missed a little bit of that, but the one thing you missed, one thing you missed is through the summer months, uh, the hot summer months, we go snakehead fishing a lot. Really? Yeah. Where, where, what kind of places do they, they live up your way? They, they live in like swampy, mm-hmm. like shallow water that not much else is living are they hard to catch us. up there not real hard um through, like say and i would say may we would you can target them with like say subsurface baits like chatter baits and flukes and stuff like that but then as it gets real hot like say i would say middle july through the end of august we'll f- target them with some top water like frogs hollow body mm-hmm. frogs and and it's pretty cool getting explosions on the top water. Yeah. Some people from, are crazy you know. about those fish, man. The snakeheads, they chase them all over the, the Everglades and uh, Alberto's one of them, man. He loves those fish. They, and, and I understand that they can be very hard to catch in some places. Yeah. We, we've caught them down there and up here. The two different species, one 
up here are the northern snakeheads, and then down there is a the bullseye. Mm-hmm. So up in your area, um, are they a problem, an invasive species? They, yeah, they're definitely invasive, but the areas that we fish, um, especially a few of the areas, there's not really anything else that lives in the water other than, like, say, carp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, in the, like, say, in the Delaware, it seems like it's not quite as big of an issue as it was originally thought to be. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the bass are still, you know doing okay and a lot of other species are still doing okay now i'm sure like there's some areas in in maryland where the some of the fisheries were were already in trouble that they have kind of taken over and and it is an issue but where we are we don't really see it as as a major issue as some are you know leading you to believe it is Mm -hmm. so even though maybe it's not as big of an issue are you kind of torn like ever between maybe maybe catch and release on those things and and killing them because i mean they're really not supposed to be there so like where do you sit on that or what's the what's kind of the culture up there revolving around your snakehead well we know a lot of guys that do catch and release and will continue to do catch and release because of the fact that we, you know, we've caught a lot, we've seen a lot and we feel that it really isn't the issue, at least where we're fishing, that it really isn't the issue that it can, you know, the media I'll say makes it out to be with the, you know, the Frankenfish stories. And every time you hear one caught, whether it's a little in another state or, and it, you know, it's all doom and gloom, which obviously, yeah, you don't want an invasive to be where it's not supposed to be, mm-hmm. but we feel like you're not, you're not going to get rid of it. So we're, we're going to take advantage of it and fish for it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So that's where, that's where I stand anyway. I feel, I think, you know, Lee and Joel were you know, along the same lines. It's a funny yep. question. I mean, when you have something like that, that is, that is fun to catch and, and it offers a, a good fishery, but it's not supposed to be there. Like, I don't know. It's a funny, it's a funny, funny place because other fish, you know, can explode out of control. Like the lionfish down where we are They're They're so far out of control. It's crazy. I mean, I don't even know if killing them all, will will make a dent in the population people go out and they spearfish like 600 of them in a day when they have these tournaments and you can there's no limit you just keep going and they have these have you seen what they do with the with the lionfish with the with like the pvc pipes and you you can't touch them really because they have these poisonous fins on them so they they spear them and they have this pvc pipe and they go in and then they can pull the spear out and there's like a, a thing on top to where it you know keeps the fish in there, but they can fill those things up over and over and over again. And they're just tons of them. They're everywhere and they eat all the little tropicals. So everybody wants those out of there and they don't belong and they are a real problem. Um, but I don't know. It's just always a, 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 a kind of a, a question like the, the carp too, the, the Asian carp that are in, you know, not far from you. Do you have those? Is that a problem anywhere where you're, where you're close to? Um, not aware. Yeah. I've heard of them in some areas, but yeah, a little like further I, to the west, probably. 
Yeah, probably. Like Illinois, Illinois is where they're really bad. But I mean, as I don't know, millions, so many you can't even imagine. They're flying out of the water everywhere, and apparently they just really take over. So, like those are the kind of issues where you see that, and then you see of an invasive species like a like a snakehead that's obviously a good predator and and uh, a fish that that you know has the potential to do a lot of damage, but I guess you guys have been up there and fish for them a lot. And if they're not doing that much damage, then I guess that's where you got to, got to make that decision for yourself. One thing yeah, I will it, add to that is if, if we caught, if we were fishing some like clean, clean water, I wouldn't be hesitate to, to keep some and eat them. Um, I know that I've heard, I've never tried them yet cause I haven't caught them in like clean water, mm-hmm. but I've heard they're like, top-notch table fare mm. so like that would be one thing i would say i would definitely keep them for that reason if i was if i caught them in water that was considered a healthy body of water but like what you were saying earlier is that uh seth was saying that um it, it it's not it's kind of swampy and not not the best water where they are right yeah would you yeah, eat correct. a fish out of there if you caught any other kind of fish Probably not. <laughs> yeah. What kind of fish do you guys, uh, what's, what's the table fish? It's not striped bass. What do you fish for to eat up there? Usually <laughs> I would say that we don't, Steak? We don't keep in, <laughs> we don't keep many fish at all. Yeah. Mostly all of our fishing is catch and release. Um, every once in a while we'll get the, um, opportunity to go offshore fishing or we might get some yellowfin or bluefin or mahi. Those fish are coming home with us, and we're, we're going to, you know, specially prepare those and, and take advantage of every every last ounce of those those fish. Yeah, for but sure. Other than that, we don't we don't keep many fish at all. Mm-hmm. Every we, once in a while, if it, we have somebody that specifically asks us or family member, like one that we would keep it and fillet and help them out, but we we catch and release mostly all our all our fish. Right. Um, one of the things we were, uh, fishing or filming into the blue, uh, up there, uh, not, not as far as you are, but we were out of ocean city, Maryland and the flounder fishery there is fantastic. We spent half a day fishing for flounder and it was really good. I mean, we caught plenty of them and that, that's a great fish to eat that you probably, yeah, that, is, that is one fish. That is one fish that we would probably also keep, especially if it was like, a, um, you know, keeper size, but on the smaller size. And, um, also another one I, that it's hard for me to pass up as a, as a tog or blackfish. Mm. You that's, run into those? A, yeah. That's a, that's an excellent eating fish. Yeah. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. 
Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, I've definitely eaten those before, but I've never caught one. Where would you run into those? Would you run into one while you're striper fishing, or what, how would you catch well, one of those? Now, they we usually target them with um, like a a jig. Yeah, it's called a bottom sweeper jig, and we'll you know put a uh, either a live Asian shore crab or a green crab, mm. um, and we'll fish like bridge pilings or rock piles, and oh, we'll cool. catch them that way. That's cool. How big do they get? They can, like, if we're fishing from shore, um, you'll, you'll catch a lot of small ones, you know, 10 to 13 inches. And then a keeper size up here is 15 inches. And you'll, you know, we've caught 15 to 17. Um, yeah, that's inshore. And then offshore, you can get some real big ones up to, you know, and, you know, double digit pounds, mm -hmm. out, you know, if you go off to the wrecks and stuff. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's kind of what we were doing. They were, they were kind of inshore wrecks and rock piles and stuff like that. And those flounder were all over those things um, out of out of uh, Maryland. And we kept plenty. And they were good. We that was that was our best fish fry. <laughs> Scott Walker's a good cook. Um, well, that's cool. Um, you guys know. Um, uh, I was just thinking when you were talking about that. I think one of the coolest parts about fishing up where you are fishing is that a lot of people don't even have a boat, don't even want a boat, don't even need a boat, right? Like there's a lot of walking fishing and there's this whole culture of walking fishermen or wade fishermen or in the water fishermen on foot in some way, shape or form. And maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a bike or, or something that gets you from place to place. But, um, that is a cool thing. I really like that because in Florida, man, if you don't have a boat, it's, it's tough. I mean, you can get, you can get a lot of good fishing in. And if you go up to the Tamiami trail, there's like all kinds of walking stuff up that way. But down in the keys, man, if you don't have a boat, you're, you're kind of, it's kind of challenging. I mean, even a kayak would, would help you out considerably. So how do you, um, how would you describe to somebody that hasn't fished up there that, that kind of on foot fishing culture? Go ahead and take that. Sure. Um, I feel like it's, it's more rewarding if you you put a little plan together of where you're going to go and like what have like a little game plan. That's how we always do. We'll come up with a game plan. Um, and you, it's pretty rewarding when it all comes together and you catch what you're, you're, um, targeting. Obviously it doesn't always go that way. Um, but then that we call that a learning experience. Um, so we're, we're always learning and for sure. Um, but it's, it's, I feel like it, the, the biggest thing is like, well, 
in a boat, it's, it's a little easier to find fish, but like we grew up like on our feet and walking around ponds and lakes and even on the beach. And it's, it's quite rewarding when you, when you finally put something on, on, on the beach or, and I feel like it, it pays off with, when you come up with a plan and it pays off big time when it all comes together. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's, I, I just think it's a neat, neat culture. I'm going to go up there and do that one day. What, uh, what kind of advice would you guys give, uh, to, to a young person or to, to somebody that, you know, wanted to, wanted to expand their social presence and, and do something like you guys have done to, to try to help people out. What would you, what, what kind of advice would you give someone? I would say that you first and foremost is to be genuine. Um, there's so many people that are in it for the wrong reasons. Uh, but if you're just for one, create content, but do it because you love doing it, all that other stuff will, will come into play when the time's right. Um, the net, another thing I would say is to network with, with people, you know, reach out to people that you, whether it's people that you admire, just people in your region, people out of your region, network with people, even just, you know, simple hello, you have questions, asking questions. And then down, you know, down the road, you never know when it might circle back and, and come together and meet up or you might meet at a show, you know, reach out to people that we have up here. We have a few different shows over the winter time, And a big part of us networking is, is, you know, attending those shows and, and meeting people face to face, having a simple five minute conversation or even a three hour conversation. And you, you never know where it would lead you. People seem to like appreciate that and, you know, get to know you, you get to know them a little bit. And, but main thing is just being genuine. You know, people can see very easily. I'm sure you can too. You can, you can see very easily just with a small interaction with somebody, what, what their motives are and what I'll say, like, you know, what their end goal is, whether in it for the right reason, it's not that hard to figure out. Um, well, you mentioned but, the right reasons, and then you also mentioned that some people are in it for the wrong reasons. What what would you consider to be one of the or, or some of the wrong reasons that you'd be doing something like that? Um, I mean, I'm not really like, I'm not gonna like, I don't mean to like bash people. No, no, at all. I'm not asking you to. I'm just, just, it's just interesting. Like yeah. you're, you're mentioned the wrong reasons. I would say, yeah, no, I would say like if you are starting a page and your only goal whether it's real followers or fake followers or whatever you like, you know, may do is reaching out to companies, send, sending you free baits, free, you know, free this, free that. Hey, can I be on your pro staff? Like just realize like what that is all about. Um, like how can you be a, a value to a company? Like they might value your, you know, they might value you, but show to them why, why they would value you. Like, how are you going to help grow their brand instead of, you know, Hey, I got a hundred followers. Can you send me something? Hmm. Be like, Hey, I got X number of followers. Can I help you with anything? Or, you know, can, can this be of service to your brand to help grow your brand, make it more about them serving them instead of them serving you. 
That's good advice right there. That's really good advice. Um, so in, in the success that you guys have had in working with some of the companies, is that, is that the approach that has worked best for you of, uh, just like you just described? Yeah. I mean, I, I try to be as genuine as possible, whether it's to those companies or to you or to somebody I meet walking down the street. Um, I feel like we kind of just be who you are and, a lot of that stuff. I mean, even with St. Croix, like that was something that, you know, we were, we're kind of blown away at like something that I would have never thought in a million years either. You know, they just kind of came to us as a surprise and said, Hey, you want to join our pro team? And so if that's the the path that you need to take to get to that point, and then some paths are different than others, but I feel that being genuine and, and going about it, the right way, like all those things will follow at the right time and and in in the right order. And you know, that's that's kind of just my take on it. Cool. You guys, um, Seth or um Lee, Joel, you got any other uh, advice on that? It is pretty much follow exactly what he's saying. I mean that's 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 all that I was thinking there too. Yeah, same just be who you are and let them see who you are and don't try to be, you know, something that you're not because in the long run, that's going to come out. <laughs> if you're just putting on a, a front, that's going to come out somewhere sometime to somebody. And then, and then, then nobody will want you. Right. Yeah. Good advice, man. Um, so what do you think the future of, of saltwater heart is? Just keep fishing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's our that's our goal. Just to keep fishing, and all the other stuff will just you know fall into place. Nice, nice. Well, you guys have put together a nice little following, and and um, and you're helping people, and you're. I, I like the message. It's genuine, and um, I love to see genuine people working with the same companies that I am in, in St. Croix. I'm real proud. Uh, that, that we work with them. That's a great company, makes a great product and, and, uh, glad to see you guys working over there alongside people like Alberto knee. That's another one. That's fantastic human being. Um, anyway, uh, you got anything else you want to kind of talk about or add to the conversation? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I, I want one other thing with Alberto is he's, he's the definition of genuine to, to us. Like it, you can see the passion. You can see, you know, you guys about the right way and just put, he puts the time in. That's something that like we, we kind of fed off of, you know, we, we, we put the time in and, and all those results will follow. And that's kind of the same way with, with anything in life, any hobby, you know, you put, put the effort in day in, day out, whenever you can, whenever you have the time. And that's, you're, you're going to see success if you, if you put the effort in, no matter what it is. Yeah, it does seem like the the attention span and the and the uh, um, kind of expectation that that you're going to have success quickly has has um, has changed with social media and just a lot more information out there. It seems like maybe um, you know people experience success quicker, but putting in the time 
time on the water. That is the most important. And that's where you really start learning. And for me, that's where it all is, is the most interesting is like, somebody can tell you something and you go try that and it works. And that's, that's pretty cool. But when you kind of come up with something on your own and then you have this other thing over here, and then maybe somebody tells you something else, a little tiny piece of information. And then you kind of tie these three things together and you're like, Oh, that's how to do it. And then you take that information and you start to replicate it over and over. That's like a, a new door opening up. And those have been some of the most rewarding things for me is just not, not somebody just absolutely just telling you how to do it, but you just, over time, you just put this together. Maybe it's through your journal or maybe it's through, you know, some notes that you put in your tide book or something, but all of a sudden you come to this realization like, Oh, he was right under my nose the whole time. And I didn't, I didn't know like, and now it's just clear. And then being able to replicate that, that's awesome. I love that. And you know, that's all the tides and the moon and all that. You put all that together and then you're like, Oh, it actually does make, it actually does make a difference. (laughs) And then you go and do it again and again and again, that becomes one of the things that you do. And then you start to like piece together a couple of other things. And to me, that's just the whole process of fishing. And that's the whole process of why fishing is a lifetime learning sport. And uh, I don't know, I guess if you're just looking for somebody to always tell you where to go, that's a big part of fishing that you're missing. So I don't know. I I like putting in the time. I like, I like doing that. Yeah. I would agree with you there. And, and it's not even just learning on your own too, but like when you're fish with other people too, like you have to take advantage of, of their knowledge too. Like say if you were to book a charter captain, like we early on, we, we booked some captains with a, I mean, booked some days with a captain up here, Eric Kerber. And we learned a lot striper fishing with him. And it's every time you're out on the water, you got to be learning whether you're catching or not. And, and that, you know, if you, whether you're, you're learning from your friends, whether I'm learning from these two guys, you're learning every time you're on the water. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully if you're doing it right, you know, paying attention to the details, sometimes the lessons in, in that you're learning are not, uh, not so obvious. Like you're not catching fish and why is it that you're not catching fish? And sometimes that takes some reflection and that takes, you know, getting away from it for a little bit to realize, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe your plan didn't come together and there was a reason why maybe it was the tide, maybe it was the wind, maybe it was the the moon phase, maybe it was something else. But then once, once you can kind of figure that out a little bit and you got a couple of things locked down, that's, you know, those, that's your foundation. And then you just keep building on top of that, but it takes a, you know, I can see why people get impatient and I've been impatient lots of times. I'm always impatient. I want to learn every day. I want more and more and more learning, but you know, as you're trying to build that foundation, if you're just getting into the sport or whatever, and you don't have those things on lockdown that, you know, like if you go here on this tide, on this, this wind, you're going to catch fish. And if you don't have that and you're looking for it, I can see why you get impatient and, and that's where, that's where people like you, I think can, can really help people of like guiding them towards those, those lockdown spots and giving them something that they can, that they can do. And then they can build upon that. And that's, that's cool. And that's what I see you guys doing. One other thing I would add, um, 
is a shout out to and a big thanks to like my mom and my wife and I'm sure Seth can say the same for his wife and Lee for his fiance for the sacrifices they make. Because when we when we see the tide and the moon and the wind all lining up, we're like, we got to go fishing. Sorry, <laughs> and they're very understanding that way. So, yeah, yeah. My wife has the has the dinner on the table when I get home, so I can be in and out in you know twenty minutes, and then so we can still you know drive the hour and a half to to catch a tide, and then maybe get home. Maybe we're home at midnight, but maybe it's two in the morning, and we still got to get up and work the next day, but. But they're there to, they're there for us, and they see how much we love it. And you know, obviously, we don't put fishing ahead of anything that shouldn't be ahead of, when you know, when necessary. But but they're there for us when when they know it's it's something we really love to do. Nice. Well, that's a good relationship, and that's also uh, you guys are animals staying up till two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you're like you're like Alberto fishing at inhuman hours. I think he calls it. Off on us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that's when those, that's when those fish bite. We're in the Florida Keys, man. We're lucky. We're on island time. We can we can get up at five, and and uh, that's plenty early. Like we don't have to we don't have to stay out that late. You can. You can, you can tarpon fish at night. You can do, you can sword fish at night. We used to start, we used to go sword fishing at night with these big giant lights and this whole elaborate setup. And then, um, you know, a few guys, Scott Walker included realized, man, you can catch them in the day. It's super dark down there, whether the sun's out or, or not, like it's always dark down there. So what difference does it make if it's day or night and you don't need all these lights and totally simplified the whole process. And I got to say, I like daytime sword fishing way better than nighttime sword fishing because I do like to sleep. <laughs> I like, yeah. I like being on the, I like being on a, on a good sleep schedule, but, uh, I understand you guys got to get out there when the, when the time's right and it's a short season and it's a migratory fish and you got to do it, man. You got to make hay when the sun shines right on. Just sometimes, sometimes you just can't leave when you, you know, you're catching a fish every other cast and it's like, oh man, it's, it's, it's one thirty, but I don't know. Next, all right, next cast, I don't catch a fish, then we leave, and it's, it's just too hard to leave. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's Doesn't the addiction. always happen that way. That's the addiction, man. That's it, right yeah. there. Well, listen, guys, man, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's nice to meet you guys. I hope I meet you in person one day. And uh, man, say hi to all our mutual friends. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. It's privileged to be on here with you, and. uh, I hopefully we can meet up in person. Maybe we'll come down to Florida and fish with you. Or you, when you come up here, you can let us let us know, and we'll show you around up here a little bit. That'd be awesome. So, if people want to follow you, if they want to uh, make contact with you, what do they do? I can just go to our Instagram page, Saltwater Heart Fishing, or Facebook, Saltwater Heart Fishing, or reach out to any one of us on Facebook. Their individual names, and like. Seth said earlier, or Joel said earlier, we might not know everything, but if, if it's something that we can help out, big or small, we'd be glad to try and help you out with it. Right on, man. Right on. Well, I wish you guys all the very best of luck, and I hope your page grows a lot, and you you uh, can do exactly what you want to do, which is just to keep on fishing. Right on, man. <laughs> Three brothers fishing together. That's awesome, man. Uh, I just love it. I love seeing my boys, my two boys fish together, and sometimes they take their sister with them, too. That's pretty awesome. Um, all right, man. Well, you guys have a great day and, um, thanks for all you're doing and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. In wild country. 
Rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.